morning. I'm preaching today on John chapter 9, healing of the man born blind, to whom I will refer uh, as MBB, man born blind, man blind since birth. MBB is easier to say, and that's the way the text, the original Greek says it, I think. Is that right? No. Um, Anyway, uh, I want to read through quickly the, the, it's the whole chapter, chapter 9, but it's all very relevant to this, uh, and then we'll talk more about it. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41, it's page 871 in your few Bibles, if I remember correctly. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, but others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Then how were your eyes opened? They demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. Then he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. Well, I don't know. I didn't see where he went. Oh, that's not in the, te- not in the text. <laughs> the Pharisees, they brought the man to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he was, had received his sight. He said, well, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner do such miraculous things, miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, Well, he's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had, re- and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? Well, we know that he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He can tell you. He can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said he's of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man back who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You wonder where John Newton got the words. Then they ask, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already, but you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. 
We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from? Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. They threw him out of the the synagogue. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This probably took place in Jerusalem or very close to it because the pool that the man is sent, that MDB is sent to is the Siloam Pool, which is in Jerusalem. It's inside the, the walls of the old city. Um, so we know roughly where this all took place. The question that the disciples asked Jesus about the man born blind was not an unusual question to ask. Um, Jewish people, especially um, educated Israelites who were familiar with scriptures and the theological arguments that went back and forth, would ask this question, who, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because suffering is always the result of sin, somehow. And the question was, whose sin produced this suffering of blindness? There were theories about, and there probably still are, of whether an unborn baby, a fetus, can commit sin. Um, Well, it doesn't matter if they commit sin, but because they're conceived with a sinful nature. We start out with a sinful nature. It's not what we're doing. It's, it's, It's what we are. But it's almost a moot point because Jesus quickly deflects the whole question and says, it's not his parents. It's not him. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And I would add that God, that the work of God is is part of the glory of God. Clearly, Jesus meant that the blindness was not the direct consequence of parental or fetal sin. Not that the man had no need of salvation. Of course he does, because he's like the rest of us. All suffering and death is the result of brokenness in this world and of our race, the sin nature. Then Jesus goes on to say, As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world... I am the light of the world. So he's talking mostly about his own purpose, but he's also saying, now listen to this, the rest of you, you've only got a finite amount of time in this world to do the works which God has prepared for you beforehand, Ephesians chapter 2, that we should walk in those works. In other words, he's created each of us with a purpose. He sent his son for a specific purpose, much grander and more absolute than ours, but and one that, that had to be 
completed perfectly and one that he did complete perfectly, but we have a finite amount of time also. So it's a reminder, be diligent, get busy, don't, don't just lazy around. Then Jesus reminds us that he is the light of the world as a preface to this he's about to accomplish. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Why did he do that? Why did he do it that way? What do we say when we're about to sit down and eat a really tasty meal? Maybe one that we've been anticipating for an hour or two or smelled it for the last 20 minutes, which makes our mouths water. And out of him shall flow living water. I don't think there's any magic or power in saliva in particular, but Jesus was using a method of healing to illustrate several points, one of which was that he's the way, the truth, and the light, but also that out of his mouth comes rivers of living water. Go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. John, the evangelist, puts, puts this little note to explain. Siloam means sent, you know. The name of that pool means sent. Why did he say that? I think it, it means several things. One, one is that the man was sent to the pool to bathe. Clearly Jesus gave him instructions to go to that pool. It wasn't where they were standing, where the mud was made and applied as a mud plaster. But it also referred to Jesus being sent into the world, a word that he used himself. He was sent into the world for a purpose. And while he was in the world, he was the light of the world. Well, he still is the light of the world. Go, he said, wash in the pool of Siloam. Why would MBB go and do that and follow those instructions? A man he'd heard of, he'd probably heard of Jesus because he was the talk of the town. He'd heard that he was a prophet, probably, but he hadn't met the man. But why would he go and go to that pool? And for, for that matter, after you hear somebody spit on the ground and then start to apply warm, wet mud to your eyes, why would you sit still for it? I mean, and why did he go to a water source that was used for ritual cleansing in the temple when there were probably water sources closer than that? How long did it take him to decide what to do after Jesus told him to do it? I assume that this man, even though he was blind and couldn't read as a result of that, probably had had a at least a, 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 a rudimentary Israelite education that would have been expected, especially for men at this time, and even today in Orthodox circles, to be familiar with scriptures and to know about the prophets and the Psalms and the references to the Son of Man and the Son of God. And I would imagine that he knew about the, the prophet Elisha, the successor to Elijah, two of the mightiest Old Testament prophets who were unfortunate enough to have their ministries take place during the reign of the corrupt kings of Israel long after David after the, and Solomon, after the, the so-called golden age of Israel, when most of and the nation was divided between the northern and southern kingdoms, Judah and Israel. It was a mess. It was an awful mess. And the people were going after false gods of the neighboring kingdoms and tribes 
They weren't worshiping the, the true God, their creator. And the prophets had a really tough job. Their lives were being threatened all the time. It wasn't fun. And Elisha got a request from a general in the Syrian army next door who could be a threat. Uh, they weren't at war with Israel at the time, but he got, he got a request from Naaman, a general in the Syrian army who had been very successful as a general, pretty well liked by the king of Syria, but he had leprosy, which made him an outcast, a social and physical outcast in Syria, just as he would have been if he were a Jew in Israel. And he sent, he sent, uh, he was he was told by a Jewish servant girl that he had that he ought to go and consult Elisha and see if Elisha could help him with his leprosy. So he did, and Elisha wouldn't even come out and greet him, but just wrote a written prescription for curing leprosy. And the prescription said, go to the Jordan River and bathe in and out seven times. And Naaman was all put out, wouldn't do it. Why not? Aren't there good enough rivers in in Syria that I could have bathed in? They're bigger than the Jordan. Uh, and this guy wouldn't even come out and greet me. He was really put out. But his servants eventually convinced him, well, why don't you just go ahead and try it? It's not going to hurt anything. It's not toxic. It's not the Dead Sea he's asking you to bathe in. So he did. And of course, Naaman was healed of his leprosy. So that's a story that I would guess that MBB, the blind man, was also also familiar with and thought, hmm, I shouldn't stand around questioning. Naaman almost missed out on his cure. I'm going to hurry to the pool of Siloam. And he did. And he bathed, rinsed off the mud, and he could see. And think about how it must have been when he was coming home. He probably looked a little different, even wearing the same clothes. A little bit wet now, but probably stood up a little straighter, walking along with a spring in his step and not walking with a cane if he had one before, or certainly not tentatively feeling where his foot was going to land each, with each step. He was looking around with some awe and wonder now that he can see things that he's never seen before. He's beginning to realize that he'll no longer have to beg for a living, but will be able to work and support himself and maybe even marry and have a family. His previous status as a beggar is something that was somewhat institutionalized in, in ancient Israel and even at this time, biblical times, the gospel times, because nobody was supposed to beg if they, had, if they could work. And the law even says, if he who will not, who refuses to work, neither shall he eat. But if someone is disabled and can't work, they are officially okay to, to beg. And in fact, it was expected that good Jews would give alms to beggars who couldn't support themselves. And they would be certified as disabled and registered on the list of certifiable, tax-deductible receivers of gifts. And this man was one of those. He was recognized as a beggar, and that was an acceptable status for him. But now he wasn't. He was no longer disabled. So he's probably thinking about that, too. It's interesting that the Pharisees didn't bring it up in this discourse, but just a thought that occurred to me. He look, probably looked so different that his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, but others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am that man. Well, how then were your eyes opened? The man they called Jesus 
So he knows who it was. He knows the name of the person that it was. And, he know, and I think he probably knows that Jesus had a reputation as a prophet. Made some mud, put it on my eyes. And then he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where's the man? I don't know. Well, then he gets investigated. He's taken downtown. And the Pharisees ask the same question. So, how did he do it? He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. Well, it doesn't say the word sent in the text, but it's strongly implied. This man is not sent from God, referring to Jesus, for he does not keep the Sabbath, which is obviously proof. Proves beyond any doubt. (laughs) Not... Uh, but others in the, in the Sanhedrin asked, well, how can a sinner do such a miraculous sign? So they were divided. Finally, they turned to the blind man and they said this, what do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. I think at this point, MBB was a little bewildered about all that was going on. He knew things were changing pretty fast and life was not going to be the same. What did he know about Jesus? Is this inaccurate? Is this all he knew? I think it may have been. He thought he might have been a prophet having heard this man's name, Jesus. He's going around preaching and he's healing and he's, he's a prophet in Israel. And oh, that's great because we haven't had a decent prophet in 400 years. In which they hadn't. Uh, except John. But John didn't last very long. Um, so, by this time, he's realized that the, almost the exact parallel event of healing has taken place that took place for Naaman, the general in Syria, when the prophet Elisha said, go and bathe in the river Jordan. This man, Jesus, told me to go and wash off the mud in the pool of Siloam, and I'm healed, just like Naaman was healed. So, I think, at this point, MBB is convinced that Jesus is a prophet. But I'm not convinced that he thinks he's anything more than that. Because there, there were prophets, and there was the prophet, or the Messiah. There was not going to be multiple messiahs. The Son of Man. There was not going to be a lot of Son of Mans. There were sons of men, but not lots of Son of Mans. Well, then they took the approach, the, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin council took the approach of, well, maybe he's not the same guy. Maybe he's just posing as somebody who wasn't the blind man. They didn't believe that he'd been blind. And so they sent for his parents. Separate cross-examination with MBB absent. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it he can see? We know he's our son. We know he's born blind. But who, how he did it, why he can see now, we don't know. Ask him. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews for... They didn't want to be thrown out of the synagogue. Being thrown out of the synagogue was socially shunning. It was, it was banning you from discourse with your people, with your family, with your friends. It was, and, and this was in Roman times in Israel. The only other company were pagan Greeks and Romans. And what good Jew would want to hang out with them and have a good time? few tax collectors maybe but 
This man wasn't a tax collector, that's for sure. I don't think he knew his sums, at least not to do them on paper. So they were afraid of being thrown out of the synagogue. But they, so anyway, they couldn't get anything from the parents, so they bring back the poor guy a second time. Give glory to God. They said, we know this man is a sinner. MBB says, I don't know if it's a sinner or not. I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Actually, he does know, but he's kind of not, not, his spine is only beginning to stiffen. The logic is hard for the Pharisees to argue against, but then they ask him, what what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I don't think he was really being insolent here. I think he was possibly... Obviously, a couple of the Pharisees had had said, well, how could he be doing miraculous signs like this if he isn't from God? So if the MBB had heard that, any of that, he would know that there were some of these Pharisees who might have wanted to become disciples. So maybe he was serious. But the crowd part of the Pharisees didn't hear it that way. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that Moses, that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. They weren't asking the right question. Where does he come from? It should be, whom, from whom does he come? Is really the right question. But MBB was really getting, his, his heels were getting sharper, his spine was getting straighter and stiffer and he says now that's remarkable you don't know where he comes from yet he opened my eyes we know that God doesn't listen to sinners he listens to the godly man who does his will nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a blind man born that way if this man were not sent from God he could do nothing wow that's a great sermon I think that's enough for this sermon but it's even stronger logic. And to this, they, all they could say was, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And there's a, there's a logic in their thinking to that statement. You were steeped in sin at birth. You were born blind. That's proof that you're a terrible sinner. And your parents probably are too. So their answer to the disciples' question was, you both are sinners. Your parents and you, that's why you were born this way. How dare you lecture us? I think it's, the, it's possible the Pharisees were upset about this healing partly because it suggested to them that the man truly had been cleansed from sin because there shouldn't be suffering without sin. And it, he was cleansed without their help, ah, without un, but not under their auspices, not by their rules. But even more irritating was the nagging feeling that his logic was beginning to convict them of sin. Jesus when he heard that they'd thrown him out, because they did, after they said, you're steeped in sin, and they kicked him. They kicked him out of the synagogue right then. That was his sentence for just giving testimony. Jesus heard that he'd been thrown out of the synagogue, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus found him. Why does John put it that way? He, he didn't, the first time he, they meet, he's just going along with his disciples and he, they sort of encounter, run into each other. But this time, Jesus was looking for 
this formerly blind man and he found them found him which is how we all meet Jesus we might bump into him if we're brought up in the church we might bump into him if we watch a Billy Graham crusade or have a friend lay it on us lay on the gospel but if we don't but Jesus actually seeks us out and finds us. And Scripture's, I think, pretty clear about that. All the passages about the lost sheep and bringing Israel back. Jesus was found. Uh, Jesus found MBB because Jesus was looking for him. He was motivated by the determination to comfort and reinforce the man. We should pray for friends and family we hope will someday turn to Jesus. And we should think about praying for them by asking Jesus to find them. And if we ever get the opportunity to challenge a friend or a family member to invite Jesus into their life, that's a kind of a phrase that often sounds trite to modern ears. You might want to ask them to pray tentatively. Okay, just ask Jesus to find you. No harm done. If he doesn't exist, nothing's going to happen. No consequence, no, no harm, no foul. But just try it. Try asking a friend. And also offer that you will pray to Jesus that Jesus find your friend. Because when Jesus finds you, you're found. <laughs> and you become, you don't become it, you become a real person the person that he intends you to be. When he finds him, he begins this conversation in a very strange way using the third person. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. You have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. This time Jesus does not say, I am as he's made so many other statements in the, this gospel before, he asked the man, do you know what this title son of man means? And the man born blind says, yes, I do, but I don't know who he is. Then Jesus said that he is the one speaking to you. And the man realizes that he's been gently told by the, man, by the son of man himself, that here I am, here I am. And he realizes that this is the Son of Man, sent from heaven by the Father. And he says, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And a good Jewish man or woman would never worship a good man. He would only, or an idol, he would only worship the God of Israel. So, by the end of this story, this man clearly knows who Jesus is partly because Jesus found him partly because Jesus healed him partly because he was willing and he was in need and the Pharisees just dug their heels in deeper don't be a Pharisee
Lord, we thank you for coming into the world, for being sent by the Father to find us, to seek us out, to give us your life and light and rivers of water so that rivers of water can flow out of each of us and bear fruit in this world to do the work which you've prepared beforehand for us. Give us thankful hearts and give us faithful hearts to do those works that you've called us to do in gratitude to your saving work of opening our eyes so that we could see you. 